Podcast Studios. This is the award-winning After Nine with Scott and Cat. Good morning, everyone, and a big welcome back. Breakfast is served. What is that? It's margarita. Ooh, is that what they're serving for breakfast? Ah, uh, here, have a margarita. And what's in that? Tequila, Cointreau, lime juice, ice, kosher salt. I don't, I don't start drinking this early. Hey, it's got to be five somewhere, right? <laughs> it's National Margarita Day today. It's showtime. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. <laughs> sure. It's another the second Monday in a row with just absolutely shit weather. But it, it's so frustrating, right? I mean, I don't think the people who make decisions on whether or not the school buses should run and the schools should be open, I don't think they can win. Because some schools didn't shut down today and parents are like, ah, what the fuck? The roads are bad. And then there's other schools that did shut down, like in Waterloo Region, and parents are all like, it's not even that fucking bad out there. So I don't know who makes these decisions, but I imagine it's probably not an easy one to make. And no matter what, you will be an unpopular person with some. Sure. What's interesting to me is the conversation about the school boards and their differences, because some will do remote learning because everything's in place now for it. So why not? And some who are just straight up snow day, you're you're off the hook. But it's it. the interesting part about the ones doing it remote is apparently it's now written into it. it has nothing to do with COVID. So are snow days always going to be remote learning days from now mm. on, COVID aside? Kids Maybe. are getting ripped off. Uh, well, I think so. I mean, I always remembered snow days. It's like, fucking right. Let's go. Let's go build a snowman. Let's go play outside. Let's do a fort. Let's go to the hill with the toboggan. It's a snow day. Let's watch sh- shitty TV shows for hours. Like, that's what snow days were all about. And it looks as though that's uh, changing, at least for some boards. What was the shitty TV show, the go-to when you were younger, oh my gosh, good question. There was a lot of, um, a, there was a lot of those. Like during the day stuff, there wasn't, there wasn't too much. I remember, like into high school, I would start to watch all of the talk shows. Yep. So I would kind of binge those, and then you got sick of them because it was the same shit over and over again. And they talked about stuff that sometimes you just didn't care about. A lot of like the uh, Ellen. I remember during high school, I watched Ellen. If I had like a spare, even or something, Ellen was on, and I'd watch that. Or you're live with. Kelly and whoever the fuck she was with at the time. Uh, yeah, stuff like stuff like that. And then in terms of like, there wasn't a lot on uh, scripted unless you wanted to watch reruns. Back in the day, maybe it was Saved by the Bell. Saved by the Bell. Yeah. Wow, for me, it was like Family Ties oh, and stuff God. like that. Like Bob Barker, Price is Right, shit like that. Well, yeah, I mean, oh, and all those, yeah, the Price is Right was, was probably a solid across the board for a lot of people. I wonder what their ratings are like on snow days. They can probably look at their ratings and say, oh, wow, huge spike in Ontario. Oh, must be a snow day. Okay, all right, that's good. Uh, Okay, so while we're talking about the weekend, I got to tell you, I was meeting a friend of mine on Saturday for a beer. Things are open. We're allowed to do that. So I thought, I'm going to go out and spend a little bit of money, have a couple of drinks, and catch up with a friend. We met at Turtle Jack's. Couldn't get into Turtle Jack's. They were at their maximum 10 people. Let me circle back to that. If you haven't been into a Turtle Jack's recently, you walk in and they've got the hostess stand there. And to the left is this big, massive dining room. And to the right is the bar area. A lot of places are set up like that. A a keg is similar. Over to one side is the bar area. Then you've got at least one dining room, sometimes two. There was literally zero people in the fucking dining room. Zero. I could have sat at any one of about 40 different tables and been nowhere near anybody. They couldn't let me in because you're only allowed to have 10. Mm -hmm. So I went across the parking lot 
tried to go into another place. Eh, sorry, guys, we're at our maximum 10, but uh, we do seatings every hour. So, you know, I mean, we could let you in now because there's only eight, but you'd have to leave in 13 minutes. Like, that's not very fucking convenient. No, that's fine. So we went and we started phoning around to different places. Cat, we phoned five different bars before we finally got into the sixth. And then peak frustration for me. We got there. We were excited. We sat down at a table, ordered a couple of beers. She brought them over, went to go back to the bar, circled right back around. Guys, I'm really sorry about this. I know we told you we were good, but we're not. I guess somebody was in the bathroom. So I'm going to have to ask you to either leave or take your drinks outside to the patio. <laughs> it, it was nice on Saturday, but it wasn't fucking patio weather. No. And, and and by the way, if you're hearing some frustration in my voice, it's legit. You're not crazy. I am frustrated, but I'm not frustrated with the bar. They didn't do anything wrong. They're just trying to adhere to the rules with the constantly moving goalpost that that we have here in Ontario. You think you're in compliance? Boom. They changed the rules. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking around at all the fucking plexiglass that's been hung from ceilings and dividers that have been put up and PPE that's available everywhere. And it doesn't matter how much these bars and restaurants spend. It's never going to be enough because they keep changing the rules. And so I'm here to tell Doug, Christine, Dr. David Williams, if you want to run it right up the flagpole to Teresa Tam, fine. It makes zero sense whatsoever to have an arbitrary, no more than 10 people indoors rule. Mm -hmm. It makes no sense at all. We base capacity on square footage. When you open a business, they'll tell you what your capacity is based on your square footage. Your liquor license is based on square footage. That, too, is issued by the Ontario government. Why in the holy shit would we put a cap at 10 people? You can go into a small little Firkin-style bar and have 10 people in there, or you can go into the keg, which is fucking huge, and only have 10 people in there. Mm -hmm. How does that make any sense in any reasonable stretch the whole thing's really twisted i was at so i was at the mall on the weekend and in in the mall what used to happen a lot is now happening again because there's nowhere else for them to go i'm talking about teenagers and young people congregating there were groups scott of 10 or maybe more uh, teenagers who likely haven't seen each other in a, in a long time or been able to hang out aside from maybe at school and maybe they were a little bit older maybe they weren't in high school anymore i don't know i couldn't really tell with all the masks on but i thought how is this okay and it was fine they all had their masks on but exactly right where there's other businesses suffering because you're trying to limit the amount of people in it i mean i, I hope they take a look at it and a lot of a lot of municipalities, a lot of mayors have been asking the same question because they're the ones who get asked uh, by their businesses, by their local businesses. Can you do something about this? So I know it's being looked into, they say. But why has it not been implemented yet? I don't know. But capacity should definitely be bigger if you have a bigger venue. Like, it seems common sense to me because, like I said, at the mall, it's just a fucking free-for-all in there. You can't control how many people are in one spot. So how is that Okay. It's not okay. Listen, we just have to apply a little bit of common sense. And yes, I do believe that safety needs to come first. If you can put uh, 20 people safely in a bar where they are physically distanced and you adhere to all other rules, then why wouldn't you? I thought part of the reason that we were opening now, despite the variants floating around, is because our unemployment is at a catastrophic level and people need to get back to work. Well, with 10 people, okay, maybe that restaurant has 20 servers. 
Only one of them's getting a shift. There's only 10 fucking customers. Mm-hmm. Nobody's getting back to work on mass here. This isn't doing anything except fucking up their ability to get EI. Like now we're going to have a problem where it's going to be uh, more financially advantageous to stay home than to take that shift for 10 people. It's so dumb, Kat, and I honestly don't know what this has been brought to the government's attention before. Even back at the uh, with the restrictions in the fall, this was flagged as an issue and they didn't yeah. do anything about it. Yeah. And God damn it, they better fucking fix it, because if you have a 70,000 square foot gym on two different levels. That's exactly what I was going to say. Something about a gym that that's where that's really unfair. There are so many gyms that are spending so much money on bills right now just to try to operate and you can only have 10 people in there it makes no fucking sense they got to fix it they really really do okay let's move on to a couple of other things here um oh there's new rules at the border today the amount of testing i mean we went from not giving a fuck about the border to like overly cautious at the border and i'm not no flack here no no judgment no criticism because i'm not traveling i don't give a shit we were all told don't travel but now someone needs to have a negative covid test from within 72 hours then they arrive in canada that's how they got into canada is by producing that negative test they're going to get tested again then they got to go off to the quarantine hotel and pay that hotel bill for three days or up to three days if the test is negative they can go home and finish their self-isolation they got to get tested again on day 10 and possibly maybe again on day 14. A lot of tests, even at the land crossings. Now, if you show up at, uh, I don't know, let's say the Fort Erie crossing down uh, Lake Erie way. OK, you've got to show up with a negative test. You're going to be given a self-administered test. So you stick the swab up your own fucking nose and the military will eventually be there to direct you either to your home or to a hotel if you're sick. Good. Imagine what we'd be doing right now if they'd done this a year ago. Yeah. If they'd done this a year ago, how different a situation would we be in right now? I don't even know why. Why now? Like, I'm not I'm not even sure. Is it not correct, though, that let's say you land, you can still refuse. I hear mixed things, but you can still mm-hmm. refuse to take the test, first of all, yep. Yep. when you land. Uh-huh. Uh, you can also refuse to stay at their hotel and basically go home and just t- uh, obtain that fine that apparently you never have to pay. That's what I heard, that you never really will actually have to pay because a judge will likely throw it out because it's against the charter uh, rights. That's a theory. Act. It hasn't actually been tested right. yet. Right, okay. Because I'm seeing multiple. Uh, every day I, I see a new one. I, I actually just saw the most recent one that happened like late last night where a guy was returning back to Canada Refused the test, asked the police officers that were there, because they do have a lot more police presence at the airports now. I, this is what's happening. Can you please confirm to the people watching this that everything's okay, that I can go home, that I can just go home and quarantine? Uh, and you'll just issue me this fine here, and we'll see if I pay it or not. And they pretty much, they couldn't say too much. It's other, a $750 fine versus an up to $3,000 hotel bill. It still doesn't, that still doesn't make sense. Do you see how many things that we talk about in this, during this whole pandemic that have made no sense? Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny that we didn't even have hotels in place when the government announced they were doing this government quarantine hotel thing. We didn't even have the hotels, but they said it could cost up to $3,000 for that stay. Okay, well, now the hotels are pointing out, no, I mean, we have to do some extra shit. So it's going to be a little more expensive than a typical stay, but we're not charging you $1,000 a night to stay at a fucking Courtyard Marriott. Jesus, it's going to be a couple hundred bucks a night. Well, I mean, that's not great, but still, 
That's a lot better than the $1,000 a night. Right. All that does is tell me politicians are wildly out of touch with how much their travel <laughs> expenses are. Yeah, it's because they just put it on their fucking cards and then someone magically pays it. Yeah, yeah. Bill the Canada Revenue Agency. Build, build the Treasury of Canada. They'll pay the bill for this one. I don't give a shit. Give me the penthouse suite. I'm not paying for it. Clearly, they have no idea how much a hotel costs if they thought it would cost you $1,000 a night to stay at the fucking Fairfield. Come on, guys. Use your heads. Shit. But anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who say you can just take the fine, go home, and maybe you do, maybe you don't pay it. I don't know. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to be getting flack on this for a long time to come. But I do have a buddy who's in the States now, and eventually he's going to have to come back. And he's thought about the whole, do I fly and deny the test and then pay the fine? Do I go to the, maybe I fly to Buffalo, take a cab to the border, walk across the bridge and have somebody pick me up? There's going to be so many loopholes and technicalities that the people who do want to get around it should be able to get around it. Right. Let's talk about this flight on the weekend. Denver to Honolulu, 777 from United Airlines. They took off and then the passengers heard a loud bang. Part of the fucking engine fell off and the rest of it was on fire in mid-flight. Listen to this. Mayday, Mayday, United 328 Heavy, Mayday, Mayday aircraft. Yeah, you know, Denver departure, United 328 Heavy, Mayday aircraft. Uh, just experienced a engine failure, need to turn immediately. There's a big boom, the kind of sound you don't want to hear when you're on an airplane. And I instantly put my shade up, and I was pretty frightened to see that the engine on my side was missing. A wife and I were sitting inside the house. We heard this big bang, and then all of a sudden there was a bang and a crash. This object just rolls right in front of our house, right right out the front window, trying to figure out what it is. And as soon as I open the door, I go, uh-oh, it's an engine part. I don't know how you remain so calm, and I commend anyone who who does that, who is, who is a pilot, or and may have to come across god forbid hopefully not right a situation like that but i would be freaking out and to those people who saw the engine like basically burst into flames you would think that was it right like that was it this is this is this is how i die if i looked out the window and after i heard that bang saw part of the engine and pieces still falling off with a big ball of fire on the wing i would look around and find somebody somebody give me a fucking cigarette and get that goddamn bar card over here give me everything in it yeah yeah yeah. just put it on my visa i'll totally pay for it we're going down give me a drink and a smoke that's That's what i want you know what was scary too okay so not just on the plane but from the ground there's a lot of footage from people noticing shit was falling from the sky and going what is that and big pieces of something they could they didn't know at the time what it was but i think a lot of them tried to figure it out once they knew it fell from the sky they thought there it could only be one of a few things right so people were just ducking for cover hoping they didn't get hit and thank god nobody was hurt that's the amazing part about this Well, I think that pilot deserves some credit. Like at one point, he even flew over a big stadium and dropped some pieces there. Not that he had any control over what was going to fall when, but he at least steered clear of those major suburban areas where that could have done an insane amount of damage. He was calm the whole time. This guy took a 777, one of the biggest planes in the sky, with one engine and another one on fire. He descended, turned turned again and turned again and got it on the ground nobody got hurt that guy he's like sully remember sully he landed that plane in the hudson yeah this guy deserves credit like that and he stayed calm the whole time yep
It I is, wouldn't be It calm. is heroic. And some people will say, well, that's part of the job. That's kind of why you're trained. Oh, well, it, yeah. that, that's sure. <laughs> how you how you react, though, is everything. How you react when you're actually put into those positions is everything. So absolutely well done. They can't train you for that in pilot school. There's no way they can train you for, oh, an engine just blew up. Okay, turn around and land at the airport you took off from half an hour ago. Yeah. What? They, they do Are you simula- fucking kidding me? And they do simulations. Like, that's part of school. That is part of it. But it's to- it's got to be totally different, obviously is, when you're actually in that scenario. You're not feeling as nervous when you're doing the simulation. It's a simulation. You know you're on you're on Earth and you're fine. It's it's pretty it's pretty crazy, but well done to everybody. Now here's the question: Who wants to go on that plane next? Mm. Well, I do wonder about that. There's a ton of planes right now that between the whole seven 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 or seven thirty seven max or whatever it was. Remember that fiasco where they grounded all the planes yeah. for over a year. Yeah. So between all of those planes, which are now going back into service, they've been approved to fly again because of all the planes that have been parked because of the pandemic. I mean, Porter, for example, hasn't flown a flight in almost a year now. Those planes aren't really meant to sit. In a way, they're kind of like a car. You shouldn't just let your car sit for months on end. you got to start it up every now and again and take it for a little spin around the block just to get the, the oil going and lube it up. I don't want to be the first one on some of these fucking planes that no. go back up into the sky after a year. But inevitably, somebody's going to have well, to be first. It's, it's It does freak me out, Scott, because between, this, between what you're talking about now, the actual equipment, and the... Oh, people are rusty and admitting that they're, they they haven't flown themselves in a year. That freaks me out, too. 100%. It's a combo deal. I mean, I, I want at least one of the two to work very, very, very well. And if you're telling me that everything's rusty all around, well, fuck me. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon then. Do you think it's a smart idea now? Maybe you've lost your job and you're thinking, ah, I should get into something else. If you were a betting person, would you bet that getting into the travel industry right now is a smart bet or is that a losing proposition? You know what, actually? I, I think that we, it will see a massive boom. There's people that don't care. They even that hear these stories. They're not afraid of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that the travel industry is going to be, not this year, but I'm going to say 2022, it, they're going to be so busy the between all, all of them the whole the whole industry yes i think it's going to be a booming industry and we are going to never take for granted again the ability to travel when we feel safe and we are able to do so trivago did a survey because they too are wondering what the future looks like for their travel company and they found 58 percent want to travel more now than ever before just under half of people said they'd be willing to quit their job if it meant they could go and do a vacation down in the Caribbean right now. 38% say they'd be willing to trade sex for a year if they could go and get that vacation in. Now, I think that that is easy to say as a hypothetical when you actually tell them, mm, yeah, you know what? You can go down to Turks and Caicos right now, but uh, you're going to lose your job. I think people would think twice about that. I don't think anybody wants to lose their job, no. but I do get the sentiment. People want to travel. Where are you going first? Mm-hmm. Vegas, Caribbean, Europe, Hawaii. Oh Where are you going? God, yeah. So if it if this is me, I I was supposed to go. I would go back to where I was supposed to go last year, and it was Vegas for my birthday, and then I was supposed to go visit my in laws out west. 
So I would probably uh, do those. And and it all depends because I hear that Vegas is going to be like, we've talked about it before. There's a lot of predictions that Vegas is basically going to be like the roaring 20s all over again when people are able to travel. That's going to be one of the go-to spots. So I almost might avoid that in the beginning, but I would definitely see see Canada. I'd go out west. I'd do the whole like drive along the coast. That's probably what I would do. Hmm. I think for me, and it's going to sound kind of shitty because I I know that people are, especially with this shit weather, people are dying to get down to a beach. They want a daiquiri, and or actually it's National Margarita Day. They want a margarita. They want to lay on the beach, sand between their toes, getting some vitamin D. I get it. I kind of want to go to Europe again. I know it's not much better weather-wise than it is here in Europe, but I just feel like I got to go somewhere far. Like if I'm going on a trip, I'm going to make it worth my while. And whereas I typically only go to Europe for like four or five days at a time, I might extend that and do like a two-weeker when I can finally go away. Maybe stop off and like, I don't know, like a pizza or something on the way back, get some warm weather and beach in. I think more people will do that, and I'll tell you why. Because we've been, if you've been lucky enough to work through this, and let's say that you financially didn't take too much of a hit, um, and we all, I think, took a hit financially in one way or another. But let's everybody say, lost money, right? In this everybody pandemic. lost money. Everybody. If you were able to work through the pandemic, and if you're able to come out on the other side of it, you've actually probably saved up some money. If you are the type that would have traveled, so why not take that? You know, two grand you would have spent on that all inclusive over here, and that other grand that you would have spent on that road trip over here, and and pile it together in one big lump and say, "Fuck it, this is enough to go to Europe." So, yeah, I think I think there's going to be a decent amount of people that will be traveling, which is why I think the industry will have a boom. It just may not happen until next year. And until then, unfortunately, a lot of shitty, a lot of very shitty news is going to come this year. I think when it comes to businesses closing, closing and travel industry, especially it's going to be shit, but it will rise again. It will. It will like happen. Like a phoenix out of the ashes. That's, you're fucking right. Border officials have a really tough job. I mean, not only do they have to make sure that we're not letting a bunch of shitheads in, they've got to look for all the contraband that people try and ship from one place to another. I got to admit, I'm kind of amazed at this one. I don't even know how they caught it. But customs officials at the port of Cincinnati. Wait a second. I'm not a geography expert, but is there really a fucking port in Cincinnati? What port would that be? In any case, they stopped a large shipment of cereal that was being shipped from South America. Frosted Flakes. People were shipping Frosted Flakes. But wait a second. That's a little weird because they make Frosted Flakes in America. Why would they be shipping Frosted Flakes from South America? Why would we do that? That's strange. So they thought, okay, you know what? Let's go through this fucking package here because something's not right. Turned out that was a smart decision. When they opened the box, they did find cornflakes that had been refrosted with pure cocaine. Whoa, whoa. How are you supposed to take that? (laughs) I think you just eat a bowl of cereal, like the best bowl of cereal you've ever fucking had. (laughs) More, more, I want more. (laughs) You just just crush it up and like sniff it and take the flakes as is? Or or is there like a supposed to be a way to like rub the coke off the flakes? I mean, I have many questions here. The street value was $2.8 million. That was the latest way that smugglers figured they could get Coke shipped from A to B was to put it as the frosting on Frosted Flakes. You know, they get more and more creative as you go. They, I mean, they, they got caught, so it sucks to be them. But holy shit. I mean, could you imagine? Imagine you, like, 
stumbled upon that without even knowing too, that would be terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but fuck, everyone would be like Tony the Tiger. Like a fucking oh, yeah. right. Give me some more of that. <laughs> They're great. <laughs> okay. What happens if that gets mixed up? This shipment is coming from South America, and this one's intended for a very specific audience, the people who are expecting their cereal dusted with Coke. If those get mixed up, and for whatever reason, the Coke boxes end up on the shelf, boy, you think kids like cereal now. Wait till they get their hands on that shit. (laughs) You're just at work like, man, this is great, and I'm getting so much stuff done today. This is awesome. I didn't even have any coffee yet, and I'm feeling really great. Do you guys want to have a meeting? How about a Zoom meeting? Well, let's let's get together, man. Fuck it. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's going on with you? I think it's remarkable that Customs managed to discover that. And they don't even know how long this has been going on. This may be like a decade-long affair for all they know. But they did catch it, and they cut it off, so uh, good on them. Last but certainly not least, this is a popular topic from our FM radio show this morning on 91.5 The Beat. A pregnant woman who discovered her husband has been driving an attractive female colleague to work, is now wondering, am I an asshole here for having a problem with this? Let me tell you more. The mom-to-be says she's not bothered by the gesture, but she's concerned that her husband didn't ask her first if she was comfortable with it. And she says, I don't know, maybe I'm hormonal or maybe I'm insane, but this bothers me. Does she have a right to be angry that her man is driving a female colleague to work every day? And, and before you answer, there's one more little detail. On the days when he can't drive that coworker, he arranges a car service like a cab or an Uber for her. Mm. That whole thing's sketchy. Is it sketchy? 100%. 100%. It's, uh, you know what it is, too? It's not even like the fact that he's doing it. It's the fact that he didn't tell her, right? I think most people can agree. You, 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 you tell your significant other you're driving someone. And it doesn't matter that it's a woman or a man, like who it is. But you think that he would have let her know. Like, hey, oh, by the way, I've been, I've been driving this person to work. Here's the situation. They don't have a car. I feel bad. They've been taking a bus or, or whatever. They're trying to make ends meet. I'm trying to help them out. Okay, you know what? That's nice. Lovely. Great. But it is so sketchy that you denied saying a fucking word about it and then to find out, wait a minute. Okay. Well, it's a woman. Oh, wait a minute. It happens to be an attractive woman. Is that why you didn't tell me? And if it is why you didn't tell me, then something else is going on here. And you arrange for a ride that definitely crosses a line. Let me put it to you a different way here. Let let me try and bring this back down to a more practical sense. So you up until recently were right on my way to work. It would have been very easy for me to pick you up every morning and bring you into the station. And uh, you might not know it, but you're an attractive woman. Would my girlfriend, would I have to tell her in advance that, oh, yeah, by the way, I pick up Kat on the way to work. And if I'm going to work from home, I'll just, I promise to drive her and she's expecting it. So I'll just send an Uber for her. Of course. Do I have to run that by my girlfriend if I'm going to be driving you to work? Yeah, look, it's not about running it by them. But why would you not? Why would you leave that little detail to you might be little, but why would you leave that detail out of your everyday life? You talk to them about everything. You talk okay. to that person about everything. Why would you leave that out? It's suspect if you do. Where are we drawing the line here? Like, yeah, you know what? I feel like I should let my wife know that this morning I decided to skip Tim's and I went to uh, Starbucks. Like, how, how many minute details of your drive to work it's does your significant other need de- to know about? It is not a minute detail that you're driving somebody to work every day, to and from, and that 
let alone if you can't do it, you're sending them a taxi. Like, that's fucking crazy. Like, you tell the person that. You explain the circumstance. If you don't have anything to hide, then you don't have anything to hide. So why would you not just be like, yeah, just a heads up? They're in your car, the same car that she goes in every day, let's say, right? Why would that's a part of uh, of your life? You should share that information. You don't need to say every detail about your whole life to the person, but that's a that's a big enough detail that I think that you shouldn't leave it out. No. Um, some questions that came in: uh, Is this abnormal behavior for him? This person asks. Uh, would he have done it for a friend, a male coworker? If so, not an issue. But if not, he's a cheating bastard. Well, okay. yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to ask, I mean, would it be an issue to her if he was doing it for a guy? See, I think it's still weird that you wouldn't tell the person that you're driving someone to work every day. I would still think that was weird. I don't give a shit who it is. You're, you, you're carpooling with someone and you never told me that detail of your life. Why? And I'm not saying that you need permission for it, but why would it not be brought up in conversation ever? That's what's suspect to me. Let's say, for example... And there's no shortage of people that just don't want any conflict. They don't want any drama. They know this is a perfectly innocent thing. Nothing is going on. Yeah, she's attractive, but I don't care. I mean, I that's my girl, the pregnant one. I'm, I'm excited about my baby to come. He's not trying to have an affair. But he knows this might be a red flag, so he doesn't mention it then. Is there anything to be said for there's nothing going on? He knows he's not doing anything wrong. He just didn't want to freak her out while she's pregnant. And obviously a little, even she admits, a little hormonal. See, and the fact that it is a red flag is the exact reason why you should bring it up. Like, I know this might seem weird, so here's what's going on. You just, communication, communication, that's it. Okay, then let me take it one step further. Maybe he does think to himself, "Ah, I should let my girl know that I'm going to be driving my colleague to work here. Uh, She's on the way. It's no trouble to do it. And yeah, she's pretty hot. I should tell her. What if wife says, well, I'm not comfortable with that guy's still not doing anything wrong. He has done the right thing by telling her now it's going to be a big fucking deal in that she doesn't want him to do that. Yeah, you have to know, though, you have Can to- the wife veto that and say, mm, no, you're not. Thanks for telling me you're not doing that. Yeah, if she's extremely uncomfortable with it, but then she also has to question his motives. Why did he not say anything until now? And if he is raising a fuss about it, like. Oh, well, why? Why would I not be able to drive her? Like, that's not very nice. If you are arguing it, then there's a reason why. There's always a reason behind people's actions. There's always a reason why people don't tell you things or do tell you things. And you have to look at, you have to really focus on those. Those red flags are big deals. And I know some people might not think of it as a big deal. But again, try to put yourself in his position. Why did he not say anything? There's a reason for it. And maybe nothing was going on. Maybe nothing was going on. But it doesn't mean he didn't want something to happen. Okay, but what if that female colleague, the hottie that he's driving to work every day, is the one that gets him his cocaine frosted flakes? (laughs) In that case, sorry, honey. (laughs) When you have the baby, you can have some cereal too. Yeah, you're just jealous because you can't have any Coke flakes, okay? (laughs) I didn't want to tell you because you can't have Coke right now. And I mean, these things are fucking delicious. So I thought it was better just to leave well enough alone. (laughs) They're great. Have yourselves a great uh, Monday, everybody. We will talk to you tomorrow, Tuesday, with another edition of the After 9 podcast. In the meantime, hit that subscribe button. And if you want to see some great stories, including the video of that airplane engine on fire on the weekend, just head on over to scottandcat.ca. 
Kellogg's and a drug cartel from South America bring you the newest breakfast cereal. It's cocaine-coated cornflakes. Nothing gets you going in the morning like a big bowl of white powder-coated cornflakes. Sure, they're loaded with sugar, but they're also sprinkled with nose candy, snow, dust, flakes, speedball, cocaine-coated cornflakes. They're great! Now, say hello to my little friend. Get yours today from Customs and Border Protection as part of this complete drug bust. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.